Welcome back to Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And uh, Lemuel just took a sip of the brand new Coca-Cola Starlight and said, I, I know about that. I haven't taken a sip yet. Let's see how I feel about it. Oh, okay. That went in a different direction, didn't it? It tastes like a baked good. Yeah. It's sort of like if they took a sugar cookie and mushed it into a Coke. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> um, I like the way it tastes. It's not what I'd call refreshing. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> I will be sipping through the 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 uh, episode, and that is my beverage for this episode. So hopefully, I don't know. We I made it cold. I picked it up yesterday. I put mm-hmm. it in the fridge. It's been there for twelve hours. So you know, that's as good as it's it, gonna it get. Did. It felt like I was drinking frosting. Tastes like cake. Yeah. Not just a sugar cookie. I'm gonna be real specific here. Okay. Tastes like you know those sugar cookies that they have in a Safeway bakery. Or a Vaughn's Bakery, depending on where you live. And it is a thick sugar cookie, soft sugar cookie with an icing, with a Uh frosting on the top. And they do them for every holiday. Right now, they're probably green. And then after after St. Patrick's Day, we'll switch to a pastel egg situation for Easter. Yeah, it's like that. It got mushed up and made into a Coke. That's interesting. (laughs) It's interesting. Mm. You know what it doesn't taste like? Coke. Starlight. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I'm used to the sort of like the sharp yes, that you get at the beginning of it. Because Coca-Cola is largely right. a citrus-based flavoring, um, which you forget because it's brown and it's right. not clear like other citrus-based flavorings, but it is citrus-based, but this is, this does not have no, the citrus it doesn't have that uh, thing forward situation. It's interesting. Right. It's it's interesting. It's interesting. Hi, everybody. We've been gone for a little while, but we're back this week, and hopefully we will continue to be back. But uh, to get a little insight on what's been up and what's going on, why don't you tell us how your week has been? Um, my week has been very happy because I got back from the hospital. The previous a, week was an entire week uh, in the hospital right. trying to figure out, I don't know how specific we want to get, but you have a an infection in your back, uh-huh. in your spine, called osteomyelitis, everyone. Uh, and uh, we thought that it was caused by some sort of virus. That's mm-hmm. a thing that causes bone infections. Uh, but this this is actually not caused by a uh, virus. This is caused by tiny mushrooms. Tiny mushrooms. You do have a fungal infection. Mm-hmm. If you they they call it coxy for short, which no. is a little too cute for no. what it's doing to your body. Right. Uh, Valley fever is a thing you can look up on Wikipedia. That is what's going on with you. Yeah. Uh, They did finally give you a diagnosis. You are taking antifungal medications now and forever. Yeah. Well, at least for the foreseeable two years is what my physical therapist told me. Well, the Um, infectious disease doctor said you would be on a maintenance dose of these for the rest of your life. Oh, okay. So. There you go. Well, then. Just like me. (laughs) We will take one pill a day forever. 
so we're back this week. Lemuel has been home for a week. We got you back. Uh, it is Sunday that we are recording this. Right. We got you back last Monday. Right. So you've been home for almost a week. And in another week and a half, there will be um, a surgical intervention to try and repair some of that damage that that stupid mushroom did to your back. Right. Uh, and then there will be some more time. So I don't know, and you don't know, how you're going to feel. I, I don't know how I'm going to feel. We're going to try to record uh, programs in advance so that we yeah. we have something for you. And, and also, hopefully, one for our other show, Without Works. Um, but, uh, there, yeah, I, I don't know how I'm going to feel. Uh, I'm kind of a little bit anxious about it because I really wanted to go back to work and to get back mm -hmm. into things. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he hasn't been to work uh, the entire month of February. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow is the last day of February. You will not have worked a day of February. Right. Uh, because this started at the end of January, mm -hmm. the, the big issues with it. Uh, so it turns out this is a thing that sometimes you get and you get a little lung infection right. and then sometimes you get it and you never know about it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get it and it causes a horrible distortion in your whole body well, and that is what has happened to you. What I was really grateful for was that we had been going through a number of doctors who had no idea how this happened. They or what it was. Or what it was. They yeah. were just like, well, you had an infection, but it seems to have burned itself through. No, it seems like there's a little bit left up here. Yeah, because so have to give you, you went from having two vertebrae that were clearly damaged right. to, three to three vertebra. So that means that the infection is still happening. That's what that means. And we wound up having, um, at one point, the, the um, MRIs mm -hmm. and the... the X-rays were shown CT to a doctor, scan too, yeah. um, who had been um, who had been born and raised in Arizona. Yeah, and she knew exactly what it was right off the bat. Yeah, when I was describing it to her, she said, "Have you? Do you have any symptoms of?" And went on. Yeah, mentioned it, and she says, "Yeah, it happens in Arizona, in the you know the the not the Midwest, the." Uh, southwest. Yeah, in the southwest. But it also happens in places like Bakersfield in right. California. Like, it is, this is a fungus that exists in the dirt mm -hmm. in the western United States. I guess arid soil is what, yeah. what it's looking for. Exactly. So and you so picked it up. You could have picked it up years ago. You could have picked it up last time you went to Arizona. Right. There's it, no way to know. It's very, and she goes, some people have it just in their system. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's mm -hmm. what you did. And then you tweaked your back a little bit. Right. And got this little pocket where the, all of these little funguses could go and gather and have a little fungus party in your spine. <laughs> and then they just started tearing shit up like assholes. Which is, which, yeah, I like the way that you described it. It seemed very innocent at first. It was just a pocket party. And then... It was just a little, the little abscess, little abscess in your mm -hmm. back that they never diagnosed. They were just having you do stretches and right. that was not helping. No. It was probably hurting, yes, in fact. Uh, definitely what really kicked all this into worse uh, issues was when um, the other uh, physical therapist, unknowingly, because she, she went off the doctor's original assumption, mm. that this was a strained muscle, that she upped my exercises, and then I was doing twists from side to side, and that's what... And then you, you uh, did, did bust in on that party that they were having, and they right. did decide to just... 
tear down everything right. on the way out. Yeah, it's uh, it's not good. So, um, so right now I'm wearing uh, a corset. He's he's got a whole harness. It looks yeah. a little bit like if uh, it's a stabilization thing, right? right? So there are bars and things. There's also yeah. a tightening thing to keep the it tight around wire you, keeping my back together. And... Um, and it goes over your head and around your whole body. It does mm. look like Kevlar. It looks like you could probably not get hurt or shot in the stomach <laughs> or the back. Not in the chest. The chest, the chest is, open. is wide open. So if you if someone went for a heart shot, they would kill you. But <laughs> I'd have to run backward toward them. I think, <laughs> yes, that's, that's right. Just turn around. Just turn your back to them. So like a turtle. <laughs> so I'm feeling very strange that and using a walker. Yes. Using a walker even around the house. You haven't left the house in a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do sound better today. Yeah. You were a little tired yesterday. Yeah, I get, uh, I also either the medication or just the exhaustion, I get kind of confused sometimes. Mm-hmm. I say nonsensical things, um, which is what I'm told. I don't know how they don't make sense to other people, but apparently they don't. They don't. I double-checked with a few other friends this morning. They're like, yeah, something we were worried about. You. Yeah, so we can't record when you're like that, no. obviously. It might be entertaining. Uh, it won't be. Okay. <laughs> Just as somebody on the outside, it's uh, scary and not funny. That is, but maybe because I care about you too much. So, uh, we're, but we're going to do our best to try and um, preload and be able to get uh, four episodes out in March. But I would like you to remain patient with us. Uh, we do have those 10 episodes of previous uh, recordings right. that do fit into this category so i'm going to try and remember to release you know to re-release kind of those on friday resubmit them on our uh, social media but they won't be re-download like that i'm not going to re-publish them so it'll just be a links thing so if you're interested in new or you know not the previous episode we're pulling from years ago mm-hmm. uh then do follow us on social medias we'll give you all those links at the end uh but hopefully we'll be able to do a bit of a a bit of a catch-up okay bit of a catch-up it'll be good so before or um now that we've gotten through that if you have questions or comments or anything uh, you feel free to reach out to us. Um, like I said, I'm going to do the socials at the end, as we normally do. Uh, but we're just doing our best over here and trying to get him through his spinal repair mm-hmm. uh, in mid-March. And then hopefully we will be on track regularly after he heals from that. Yep. Uh Oh, that's a lot to do back-to-back. I was just looking at the up- upcoming ones. We have Safety Last. Mm-hmm. And then we have Blue Velvet, Full Metal Jacket, and the China Syndrome, sort of. This, uh, mm-hmm. Those are heavy. All of those are heavy. So. Well, not Safety Last. No, uh, no, the three the right. three that I said at the end. <laughs> yeah. So, um... Harold Lloyd, no. I don't, yeah, I don't know how much I can do all in a week. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so, right. we'll, but we'll try. We'll do our best. Uh, do you want to get into this? Yes. This today, today, guys, we're going to talk about Blood Simple. Mm-hmm. Blood Simple is the first movie by 
uh, I think they were probably considered wonderkins at the time, Joel and Ethan Cohen. Uh, they wrote the movie together. Joel directed it and Ethan produced it. I thought that they had directed it together as well, but I don't understand how their partnership worked. So I was wrong. Uh, this movie was uh, released in 1984 after they wrote the script having no filmmaking experience right. and did just cut together a little trailer piece which they used, um, they didn't use that in the movie, but they used the idea of, like, that, the idea of yeah. what it is is in the movie. Uh, and they did shop that around uh, after Sam, Ra- Sam Raimi said, hey, yeah. show this to people. And they did go knocking on doors and showing it to people. Bruce Campbell. And they did gather yeah. $750,000. What about Bruce Campbell? He was the him. star of the... Oh, of was the he? Yeah, I did not know the that. the original trailer is him dragging... Uh, a shovel. Right, a yeah. shovel towards another man he's going to kill. And that was Bruce Campbell. And that was also shot by Barry Sonnefeld. Who direct, who uh, was the director of photography for this film? Oh, interesting. Yeah. So this uh, movie is this is a noir film, mm-hmm. and it is noir. It is it is country noir. Mm-hmm. Is it does take noir? place in Texas? No, I wouldn't know how you said noir. No, we're not. I'm <laughs> not going to do that. <laughs> so it opens in, with a voice that. Everyone knows, and by everyone I mean I was like, I know that voice, <laughs> and that voice is Emma Emmett Walsh, uh, who's playing a real piece of work, piece of work. <laughs> that's, that's a real sweaty motherfucker with a bonkers pale yellow suit. Ziggy also does not like the yeah, no, like suit. She is not on board. Uh, so we do. We are recording this in the living room, and Ziggy is here. So hopefully, she will keep her her commentary to a minimum. But I make no promises because she is a black cat and is an agent of chaos. So our movie, as I say, it starts with M. Emmett Walsh telling Dan Hedaya. Your wife is fooling around on behind your back. That is what is happening. Here are the photos. I did watch them, and I did probably jerk off to them. He doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. That's me. I am. Um, His character looks so sweaty. Oh, he's, and so, gross. he's so moist. Right. <laughs> he's the like, moistest. I, I, I don't doubt all sorts of strange things happened in that time. Uh, so. At that point, so this Dan Hedaya is playing Marty. He is the owner of a bar. Mm-hmm. His wife is played by Frances McDormand. I presume, but do not know that this is where Frances McDormand uh, go meets. She married to Joel or Ethan. Mm. <laughs> She's married to one of them. Um, I'm opening her link in my IMDb tab or my uh, Wikipedia tab. Joel, Joel Cohen, who, the, who she married in 1984. So, yeah, she has a story that this is where they met. And uh, her name is Abby, which I totally forgot. And she is married to Marty, who is Dan Hedaya. And she is having sex with Ray. Ray is a bartender for Marty. Ooh, he did shit where he ate. Yeah. A phrase I do not like, but does apply in this particular situation. And Marty is mad, and Marty does ask 
M. Emmett Walsh, this gross, wet private detective, um, how much for you to kill my wife and also Ray? Could mm. you please kill them, please? And he says, yes. Yes, I can. And I will. I don't remember what the price was. It didn't seem like enough. It was mm -hmm. like five grand, which maybe in 1984 money was enough to kill two people in right. a very small town. But it didn't seem like enough. No, the money a little bit more than that, fixing to change hand didn't seem. Yeah, but it did. Yeah, I also felt like, like enough. Oh God, it no. might have been fifteen thousand dollars, but yeah. it wasn't more than that. It was. I was like, but I was like, this doesn't seem like enough. And uh, so M. Emmett Walsh, who does play a man named Lauren, I've forgotten the last name. Visser? Visser, that's right. Lauren Visser, who has a, his, other than his pale yellow suit and matching cowboy hats, he does have one other distinguishing feature. That is his lighter. He has a Zippo with his name prominently engraved on it. Uh, that's the one of the first things you see about him, and you're like, oh, look, it's Chekhov's lighter. Like right. That's going to play into the, the plot of this film. So he does say that he will. He says, hey, Marty, you should go fishing. Go down to the Gulf, make yourself seen, catch some fish, get out of town. I am going to off your wife and her lover, and you need to be elsewhere. I need you to go get you an alibi. And Marty does do that, and then he comes back. Oh, no. Before he did, I'm sorry, that's a lie, because there is a piece before that. So Marty is overcome. He does fire Ray fire and shoots shoots at him mm -hmm. and says get the fuck out of here mm -hmm. I, and ray is like well give me the, the two weeks of pay you owe me and marty is like no right. leave and ray does leave um and then ray and abby are canoodling at ray's house and marty does try to break in and steal her mm -hmm. i don't know exactly what his end game here is because it's not to kill her, it's just to steal her back. And I, she is a, a living person with wants, desires, and two legs. So I don't know once he got her out what his plan was going to be. Um, but he, that does not go well for Marty. Mm. He is further humiliated. And, um, and then that's when he does go mm. say, hey, Lauren Visser. Man of many Zippos, or really only one Zippo. Please do kill my wife right. and her lover. And he's like, mm, yeah, sure. Here's how much money. Go get you an alibi. And he goes away. And we see Lauren Visser, M. Emmett Walsh. I can't. Lauren Visser is not a name that's going to hold in my head. So right. I am going to keep reverting to M. Emmett Walsh. Um... Outside of Ray's apartment, mm -hmm. but we don't see anything that happens. And then yeah. he does, uh, Marty does come back in and has a meeting at the bar in the back room 
<laughs> this bar has a back room that is ha- the size of a bar. <laughs> it, is, it is super weird. Like, there's a bar out front. It's like a honky-tonk bar. Mm-hmm. And then there's a back room, and that back room is the size of an apartment. It is right. massive, and and there's nothing back there. It's like a table in the middle of a room. <laughs> it's like yeah. there's, you know, back stock. There's, um, there's a piñata. There's a safe. There's, there's a, a safe. Couple of other, it's like, but it's yeah. this massive space that is not being utilized well, and I don't understand it. It's very strange. Mm. Um, it feels like he he like inherited this building and was like, this part is for the bar and this part, I guess, is an office? Mm-hmm. It's not bar. It's other... It's place of business. Right. I, it's very strange. So, uh, Lauren does come and shows him pictures, shows Marty pictures of Ray and Abby with, with bullet holes in them in bed. Mm-hmm. And Marty is like, has these fish on the table, the proof that he was elsewhere and could not possibly have committed these murders. And um, those fish are Lauren's downfall, it turns out. So Lauren uh, collects his money, hands over the photos. Marty asks what happened to the bodies, and Lauren says, "Uh, it's better if you don't know that. And that's right. That's correct. That's mm-hmm. good. That's good criming. And then Lauren does shoot Marty in the body uh, and does try and kill him. He then leaves and his lighter is under those fish on that table. Oh, no. So we've got a bleeding out Marty. He does appear dead. Spoiler alert, alert everyone. Everyone you think is dead in this movie is no. not dead. No. <laughs> that is that is the twists. All the twists in this movie are they're not really dead. Right, I know. But it's done in such a way that it doesn't feel stupid. No, it doesn't. It's not like, you know, when you You're saw, just like, wait, oh <laughs> uh, when you saw something like and this is actually a movie that I, I respect in many respects. Yeah. Uh like something like um Fatal Attraction. She must be dead if she's been held underwater that long. Yes, right. And, right. <laughs> You're just like, how did she train for this? <laughs> right. There's just these, these, uh, you're watching movies and it kind of gets kind of. You're like, the human body can only right. take so much. Yeah. So, so in this case, yeah. um, Lauren has uh, doctored those photos, which are now in Marty's safe. Mm-hmm. Please know there is a safe uh, with. Presumably, the bar's money, yeah, w- which is what Marty has used to pay Lauren, uh, and also photos that are doctored to indicate that Ray and Abby are bullet holes. I mean, bullet riddled and deceased. Um, and Marty is on bleeding on the floor because uh, apparently this M.M. Walsh character is actually like a Dexter mm-hmm. uh, and did kill the killer. <laughs> uh, I don't know if he thinks he's good or if he just thinks this is the easiest way to make this money. I, I, I was wondering about his motivation. 
because it seems like he can... Maybe the idea is that the only person who knows that he did this fake killing is going to be gone. Right. So if anything happens to to uh, Marty, yeah. who I'm sure, given the fact that he's so willing to jump into murder so quickly, has his fingers in several of the local... Maybe. Maybe he just is like, Marty is a fucking loose cannon. He's asked me Marty to do is. this thing, yeah. and there's no way I can trust him long term. But it just feels like, just as a person who does rely on client word of mouth to mm-hmm. get other clients, shooting the man who paid you to do a job after lying about having done that job does seem like it's going to narrow your future client pool. You don't have a lot of references to pull on. No. Now, this is also not a job necessarily that you can use references no, for because nobody so. wants any part of what you have yeah. done for them. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe maybe client references is not what he's concerned with. But he does gut shot Marty mm-hmm. and leave him dying in, on the floor of his back room in his bar. Right. And he does fuck off uh, Sans lighter. Then... Ray comes, and Ray breaks into the bar. The bar is not open at this point. Ray Mm -hmm. does break into the bar in order to go to the register to try and get his two weeks severance pay. By severance pay, I mean uh, pay for the previous two weeks that he did work and is owed. This is wage theft that Marty is committing. I mean, among other things, but Marty has committed wage theft here. And Ray goes, and there's no money in the register because uh, Marty took it and gave it to Lauren. Uh, and he does go in the back room and he does see Marty there on the floor. Mm-hmm. Bleeding. Seemingly dead. Right. And his first thought is, Abby did this. <laughs> Which is wild. Oh no, I know why. It's because um, well, Lauren Visser did not murder Ray and Abby in their sleep. He did break into his apartment, Ray's apartment, take photos of them while they were asleep that he could then doctor later, and steal the gun that Abby had in her purse. And he did use that gun to shoot Marty. So that is why Ray thinks that Abby shot Marty. Um, So Because that gun is there, and he does find it. And he does put it away, and he or take it. And he also does... Use his sweater to clean up the blood on the ground, which is not a good tactic. But people are starting to show up in the in the outside, in the bar right. part. And so he does need to get this body out because the love of his life is going to go to prison forever if he doesn't do something. So he does scoop that body and put it in his car and drive away. And... uh that is when we see the scene that is the money-making scene for this movie. Mm-hmm. The scene that they have shot right. and 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 sort of shopped out mm-hmm. of a man, yes, dragging a shovel um, along the side of a vehicle, like while well, walking along the side of a vehicle towards another man who is wounded but not dead, mm. because just as Abby and Ray were not murdered. Marty is also not dead. Right. Yet. (laughs) 
because Marty does get dead in this movie. Ray does. Uh, uh, Marty starts fucking sitting up and trying to crawl away, and Ray is like, "Well, now I'm out here in the middle of nowhere because he had driven out somewhere to bury his body, and now he has to first make a body and then bury it, which." He because he still right. thinks that Abby shot him, and he does not think to ask this man for well, clarification. Okay, yeah. I'm not sure that he would believe that Marty would tell him the truth. I'd do a quick "Who did this to you?" Right, because it's unlikely that Marty would actually lie in that moment. Mm-hmm. I don't think Marty would have it together bleeding out from his gut as he is right. and clearly in the in the face to face with a man who he thought was dead and is not dead right yeah i think he'd probably say that motherfucker lord mister did this mm. to me but then the movie would be over at like 40 minutes and that's not a whole movie yeah, i guess he didn't really <laughs> think he was alive until he got him out to sight though mm-hmm. right so then, but at that point, mm, before you beat him to death with that <laughs> shovel, y'all, he's gonna beat him to death with that shovel and then bury him in the desert. Um, he could have just been, done a quick, or even a was it Abby? Mm-hmm. If he said was it Abby, I don't think Marty would have said yes because he yeah. would have been like, was what Abby? What the fuck? Are, why are you alive? You're, You're right. supposed to be dead, <laughs> which. Then maybe would make Ray want to kill him real right. quick. <laughs> so uh, it may have ended up the same way, anyways. But Ray really does believe that the love of his life, this woman, he mm-hmm. is ha- has tried to kill this man, failed, and left him to clean it up, which she did not ask him to do. I would like to say. Um, and uh, so he does. He does drag him to the a, a shallow grave throw Marty in it, and start burying him alive. He does try and shoot him more, but there are no more bullets. So, oh, because that's that's lucky for Ray, because it's not Ray that tries to shoot him further. It's Marty. Mm-hmm. Because in the cleanup, what Ray has done... <laughs> is slip that gun in Marty's pocket. Yeah. So Marty is dying and has a weapon <laughs> and is still impotent to use right. it. Cannot. It, there are no bullets in there. He does fire up. at So Marty's laying in this grave. Ray is standing over him, slowly covering him with dirt. And Marty does fire that weapon up towards Ray and nothing happens. Click, click. Click. And, uh, and Ray does um, take that gun away from him and finish burying him until he is buried. Not necessarily totally dead, mm-hmm. but totally buried. Mostly dead. And, as we said, gut shot, having lost tons of blood, he is dying. Um, and then he goes home. So Abby has moved out of her home with Marty and has rented this apartment. There's this weird scene where Abby is renting this apartment and the dude that was staying in this apartment beforehand is still in there. Right. Just sitting on this cot. 
and she's like, does he know? Is this okay? And and the the woman that is taking her money and showing her around is like, yeah, he, you know, he paid through yesterday, so he's got to get out. Get out! And then they don't really do anything. And I'm like, that's fucking weird. Um, so she's there, and she is, uh, because she can't live at Marty's anymore, mm-hmm. OBS. She does not know that he has tried to kill her, but he she does know that he does he knows that she is fucking around, so right. that's not cannibal. So she has left, and uh, Ray goes to that apartment and is like, "I've cleaned up your mess." And Abby is like, "The fuck are you talking about?" Like Ray is real freaked out, real dirty, got blood on him, um, very cagey, very squicked out, mm-hmm. and Abby's like, "Why are you?" Being so weird, though. <laughs> well, he's acting like he's in on the conspiracy that yes. they both have together, and, and that she started right. some shit, so, and he had to fucking so finish she it. Has no idea what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He thinks that she's being ridiculously coy or weird. Or weird, yeah. And yeah. she's just like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" And uh, then he does basically say, "You know, I cleaned up your mess." And as he goes to leave, he drops off the gun on the front. Um, mm-hmm like little console table on the way out and she's like because she keeps saying i haven't done anything funny i don't know i don't know what you're i don't know what you're talking about both of them at that point think that the other one did something to marty but they don't talk or clarify at all in any way uh, these are not verbose people. None of these people are. Uh, M. Emmett Walsh is our right. only verbose person. Everybody else probably wants to say six words to another person during the day, and they'd be good. They're, they're two, internal right, people. Abby's a little bit talkative, right. but she's a little. I hate to use the word vapid because it sounds yeah dim, diminishing of her. But she is a talk. She is a person who will. Um, as they say in some books, prattle on. (laughs) It doesn't feel like she needs to be engaged with her conversational partner. She just needs someone there to listen to her talk about some stuff. And Ray and Marty both just kind of sat and listened to her talk about some stuff. Uh, So then we uh, get a a scene with uh, Lauren Visser, and he... uh, does try to... Well, it, it turns out that he has lit some of those photos on fire, and then he goes to light a cigarette mm-hmm. and can't find his lighter. So I wonder, away. hey, hey, dude, how did you light those photos on fire then? But also, <laughs> so this is when he finds out, right. or he realizes, oh, shit, I did done implicate myself in a crime. My bad. And he goes back to the bar to to sort of stake out the office. And he sees Abby go in. He sees Ray go in at different times. Abby goes in and she's looking around and there's no body anymore and there's no blood stain because Ray did clean up. She, I believe, is trying to get into the safe at some point. Uh, Ray at some point is trying to get into the safe. Um, And... But we don't really see what they do, neither of them, what they uh-huh. do in that office. We see sort of Visser seeing them doing some stuff. Yeah. But what that stuff is, we are sort of left. Yeah. Which is an interesting uh, filmmaking choice. Mm-hmm. I kind of like it. Because the whole thing with this is, 
nobody really knows the whole of what's happened. Mm -hmm. And we don't know the whole of what's happened. You know, at the end, we kind of, we, all the pieces We're sort of fit together. We're able to put things together, but yeah, at the time that it's happening, we don't know. We We're don't know who's like, dead, we don't know who's alive. Yeah. It's very twisty. Yeah. And and then there's a bit of a, a bit of a Crypt Keeper at the end uh-huh. situation, but we'll get there. So, Ray uh, leaves the bar, decides to go to Abby's, notices that he is being uh, tailed by a fucking Volkswagen bug, which is the same car that had tailed them at the beginning of the film, which is when the photos were taken, because we did see a scene of um, Visser uh, following them to, like, a lover's lane, Mm. and then, um, so we know that's his car. He does drive a Volkswagen bug, which is a wild choice for this man, but sure. Uh, And so he sees that he's being followed, and he goes to Abby's apartment, thinking that she might be in danger, which is interesting because presumably if the danger is physically behind you right now, Mm -hmm. she's not in danger right now. I mean, there could be a network of people, but like if it's one person, then they're right there. They're not hurting Abby, but it's fine. And uh, he goes into Abby's apartment, which is this lost apartment situation with huge windows on the wall just with no cover. It's just, right. it's almost like a factory um, window situation. Yeah. And um, so he's sitting in the dark. Abby is not home. He's sitting in the dark uh, waiting for her. And when she gets home, she turns on the lights. And Ray is like, turn off the light, turn off the light. And she's like, why are these so fucking weird? And then he does get shot to death at that time by a rifle uh, pointed at him from across the street, the street. across yeah. the street, like a rooftop across the street, because there are these giant open windows and there's nowhere to hide in this apartment. And he does get straight murdered. Uh, and that's when Abby realizes, oh, maybe I should turn off the right. fucking light. <laughs> and... Uh, then Abby hears footsteps coming. She takes Ray's knife and she hides it in the bathroom. Now, at this point, I believe she does know that Marty is dead. Yeah. Or at least that Ray believes that Marty is dead. She also knows that, I believe she found in the safe the photos. Yeah, she did. Of her and Ray with pre-Photoshop Photoshop Photoshop Mm -hmm. bullet holes on their bodies. Mm -hmm. It's interesting the way that it's done is it's clear that he has double exposed another, like a set of bullet holes basically onto their bodies, which is why you see at the beginning a number of sort of drafts of the photos. Yeah where the bullets are in different places and he had to find like the photo that he took that lines up with the bullet holes that he has that he can overlay in such a way where you believe those are the bullet holes that killed these yeah. people. And they're so it's so funny because the photo that photos that he does turn over to Marty, like Ray and 
Abby are laying in bed on their, like, she is, he's on his back with his arm around Abby, mm-hmm. and she is nestled, nestled up into his chest, and they, ha- they look like they are asleep. I'm going to presume that unless you were such a magician with a gun that you shot both of them with the first shot, there would be some movement yeah. from this particular... There would be toss blankets and pillows. And... Yeah. You, yeah. You'd have some fear. You, she would have moved away from him if you had tried to go for the, you know, the stronger person first. Mm-hmm. It, I'm putting that in quotes. But a lot of times in a situation like this, right. the man will be taken out before the woman. A lot of times also because the person who's doing this damage is after more from the woman than just mm. straight up a murder. Uh, but it's it's very much like that, those Amityville, you know, bodies where you're like, if people are being shot with a shotgun elsewhere in this house, well, why is everyone still it? asleep yeah. and peacefully reposing? Were they drugged? Who knows? Was it a ghost? I can't say. Right. <laughs> but that's what it was like. It was yeah. like, they're so calm for having been shot so many times. <laughs> uh, because, guys, they weren't shot any times. It was, they were shot zero times. <laughs> um, but they also did sleep through a man standing over them with a camera and a flash. Click, click, click it away. Which is, I don't think, that is a fear for me. Mm-hmm. I also don't think I would sleep through it. Not a 1984 camera, click, click, flash, flashing away. I feel right. like that would wake me up. But hopefully I never know. I never find out. So Abby and and, and Visser are now the, the last two standing of, mm-hmm. of our four. It is Abby, it is Visser. And Visser needs to kill Abby at this point. Why? unclear why he's now just at a point where he needs to she's a loose end as far as he's concerned which is pretty wild because she doesn't know who the fuck he is or what the fuck he did right he can be she can be tied to him but i don't know that he could be tied to her from her like i don't know that i don't think there's anything that she doesn't know anything about him no she didn't find his lighter she didn't none of that so, um, but he is going to tie up all of Lucens, and she is the last one. So he does enter sort of... <sighs> it's weird, because what ends up happening is he is in the, I believe, the apartment next to them, or the shared bathroom right. for the apartment on that floor. Something like goes, that. Yeah. And he is locked... Uh, in there, it's empty in there, but the window is open. So he is going to sort of he, he goes and reaches around out of one window into another window, feeling around. I'm not sure here what he's feeling for because he can't. Like it's there's not like a it's not like reaching through like like breaking a, the glass on a door and reaching through to open right. a, 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 a a lock. That's not what's happening here. I'm not quite sure what he's feeling around for, but what he does find is a knife in his hand. She does take that big knife, Mm -hmm. stab him in the hand. She does give it a big twist. And then he is basically pinned with his arm in a different room than the rest of his body and just, like, pressed up against the wall. And so he starts a-punching. 
he's going to break through the... Fortunately, it's not for him. It's not a brick wall. Sorry. Fortunately for him, it's not a brick wall. Uh, and he does start breaking through that um, drywall. And he is able to reach through there and pull out the knife. Because that's the thing. He's pinned. He's pinned like a butterfly on one of those cork boards. He cannot get away without... I don't even think... With the way that she put the knife in and twisted it, I don't even think he could physically pull his hand out. It would just... I mean, it would destroy his hand. But I don't know that he could physically do it. Um, So that is the move that he does and she meanwhile has run around to the other side of the bathroom door and so she's on the other side of the door from him and she does have her gun again Mm -hmm. because Ray had left it with her and it does now have one round in it one single round and she as he he can hear her she can hear him coming towards her she is on the floor outside of the door looking sort of up and towards right. the door and holding the gun. And she hears him coming towards it, and he she fires one shot, her only shot, through a closed door. And she does hit him, which is lucky, because she doesn't have another shot right. in that gun. And then Abby says, I'm not afraid of you, Marty, because she thinks there's a little bit of a... He's dead, but not dead or he's maimed but come back or he's a crypt keeper and he has come back and it is a zombie situation um but what really happens is viscer laughs he starts laughing and she recognizes that that laugh is not marty's laugh and viscer is bleeding from the chest and the hands and he um does say if I see him, I'll give him the message. So she now knows that she has killed a person that wasn't her husband. And uh, and that is how the movie ends. That is the end of the movie. Abby lives. Every man dies. She probably moves, right? Except for Morris. Or Maurice. There is a character named Maurice. Maurice, he is the black bartender. There is racism in this movie, everybody. Spoiler, not spoiler alert, but a little bit of a trigger warning. that um, They do joke, I use heavy air quotes on the phrase joke, that at least she's not fucking a black man. That's not what they say. Against um, Emmett Walsh's, which is really what makes you... Then you're kind of like, well, he could go. Well, <laughs> but also, that's... he's the worst. So moist. Ugh. But um, what I liked about Morris is that how he, in the middle of all this situation, he's like a decent guy. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is the other bartender. Mm-hmm. It's Ray and is it Morris or Maurice? I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's Morris. And it's Maurice. spelled M-A-U, which. That's how Mouse is spelled. So I want to say Maurice, which mm. is definitely wrong. Uh, and he's there. We there's a there's a scene where he is hitting on a woman. He introduces that woman to Marty as a woman that she that he's known for years right. and is visiting him. And Marty does say, "Come with me. Leave this dude. Come yeah. with me." And she is like, "No, I'm 
deeply uninterested. And we then we do find out that she is not an old friend of Maurice's. She's just definitely going to fuck Maurice and not Dan Hedaya. And hey, everyone, that's correct. (laughs) Because Dan Hedaya is another sweaty man (laughs) who is at this point desperate and sad because his wife did um, uh, cheat on him with you know, his but employee. he's also, I don't know if the the impression I got from the ease with which he just goes up to this woman and hits on her uh, is that he um, he did this all the time. I got the feeling that he was sort of a serial adulterer. Oh, and, yeah. And that, you know... Nobody was taking that marriage seriously. Yeah. That's not... That's not a thing. Um... Yeah, their relationship was like it. He he very much treated her like a um. What's the word I'm looking for? A trophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't really care about her a person as a person. Like uh, right. You know, so that is why I think she went with and and the other thing is that like Ray is quiet and fundamentally a nice man he's not a nice guy like that's mm-hmm. not what i'm saying he is a nice person he has kindness he is quiet he is thoughtful right. he did clean up her mess unbidden <laughs> and uh very very uh and for people who are squeamish that, that might be um that oh, might... this movie is violent. Yeah. This is a noir film that is right in the um... vi- the Coen Brothers movies. <sighs> I don't want to say there's casual violence. Right. It's what I want to say is it's not glamorized. Which is what I appreciate. I don't yeah. like when it becomes so glamorized that it becomes exciting for people to try to imitate or to do. I think with this film, the the violence is done in a kind of a grimy, dirty sort of uh, way. It's very realistic. Yeah, it's the very scenes realistic. of him. I remember reading. Um, a reviewer for Alfred Hitchcock's Mystery Magazine, which I used to subscribe to when this film first came out, commenting on how uh, how the scenes of of Ray trying to clean the blood out of the back of the car yeah. were intentionally harking back to Macbeth. Oh, yeah. With Lady Macbeth trying to rub out the damn spot of blood that she can't yeah. get because it just keeps welling up through yeah. the, the car seat and on the floor. and It's everywhere. Yeah. Because it, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. If a man is bleeding out in the back of your car, you need a new car. Right. That's it. That's a wrap on that car. Unless you have a police car that you can literally hose out. Mm-hmm. That's why they make police cars the way that they do. Right. Um, yeah, no. And I, what is your other experience with the Coen brothers? Have you seen, had you seen this movie before? I had not seen this movie before when I was a kid and I was a somewhat unusual child watching lots of PBS. Um, Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel reviewed uh-huh. this movie. And they were really, really both really excited about it. They're just going, this is a new voice in American filmmaking. Remember this name, you know, the, using Orson Welles' old tagline. And so I hadn't seen it. 
I hadn't seen it for a very long time. I'd seen some of the other films that they'd done. And, um, but I'd never got around to this one to see what excited them so much. And I can understand it, you know, especially... This is 1984. This is 1984. So this so, is their first movie. Let's let's talk a little about the Coen brothers. The 1984, Blood Simple. Mm-hmm. 1987, Raising Arizona. 1990, Miller's Crossing. 1991, Barton Fink. 1994, The Hood Soccer Proxy. 1996, Fargo. That's when they really hit the mainstream, I think. Fargo is the first film that I ever saw uh-huh. by them, and it is the only ones of the movies that I listed until I saw this, up till then that I've seen. I've never seen any of those other films. Um, the Big Lebowski was a big deal. Uh, it was That came out in 98, which is the year I went to college. It was a big deal in college for me. That is the first movie that I remember seeing. Like, I may have no, I saw the I saw Fargo in high school, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen it since, and I don't remember it very well. Um, the Big Lebowski I've seen several times because mm-hmm. uh, boys boys in college is why. <laughs> that's that's the reason for that. Right. Uh, I've seen Oh Brother Where Art Thou, and I uh, listen to the music from that movie fairly regularly. I still enjoy it. Uh, and then Intolerable Cruelty, The Man Who Wasn't There, I haven't seen them. The Lady Killers, I haven't seen that. No Country for Old Men is where I b- bounced back in, and that's probably my favorite of their films. Yeah. Um, Burn After Reading, I have seen but do not recall. A Serious Man, I have not seen. True Grit, I did enjoy. I did like that film. I love Haley Stanfield. She's very good in that. That's her, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm yeah. right. Um, and then I have not seen any of uh, the more recent uh, items uh, inside Lewin Davis, Hail Caesar, or The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And I would like to watch The Tragedy of Macbeth. I did not. I forgot that that was a Coen Brothers film, the Denzel Washington version, which mm-hmm. is available to us. But my, so so I'm a big Lebowski, no, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, no country for old men, true grits, and that's it. That was it for me, mm. basically. So this, but this feels like people who are going to make all those movies. Right. Like you can see their DNA in all this the, film, like a thread traveling all through it. Yeah, and they are at my age and my gender. Mm-hmm. People presume that I am going to enjoy a Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I try. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't need it. I prefer these guys. Mm-hmm. And I do want to see that Fargo show because it does seem quite good. Um, I've seen more of these than I thought. Of their of their filmography. Yeah, um... Well, there are. They are a major. Like, I want to see the Hud Soccer Proxy particularly. That is a movie I have wanted to see for twenty years and have never watched. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I saw. Um, and I should see Inside Lewin Davis because I am deeply in love with Oscar Isaac. So, we saw a New Country for Old Men in a theater. Mm-hmm. Yes, you and I saw it together. Yeah. Then after that, I saw Burn After Reading with a film group and didn't care for it. But True Grit was very good. It's funny because they go, all of their stuff, I would say, is uh-huh. 
a version of the word gritty. Mm-hmm. Even their comedies. Yeah. Because their comedies are gritty in a way that I mean literally like they are covered in grit. They are filthy. Everyone everyone in a Coen Brothers movie needs a fucking bath. Right. <laughs> like, it's wild. And, uh, like, Frances McDormand in this movie, this is, like, basically her first film, right? right. She is gorgeous. Also, dip her in a river because everyone in this film, it's also a lot of times they're filming in places where it is hot and they right. don't fucking forget that. They're like, yeah. yeah, it's 100 degrees out here. Everyone's sweaty because we're human beings and that's what we do to deal with heat, right. which is nice, but also, ew, everybody needs yes. to wash. And this movie, I felt like, ooh, I can smell the pit stains. <laughs> I can smell the pit stains on this movie, which that's talent, I guess. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed this. It makes me want to watch more of their movies. Yeah. Um, mm. I did like that. I was like, oh, okay. I have no idea who is dead when, and that right. is not a that is not a feeling that I have had in a film before. Usually, I know when somebody has died. Right. And in this case, they kept doing it. They kept being they like it off successfully like, twice repeatedly. Yes, yeah. yeah. So and, and the characters didn't know who was dead and who was alive. Mm. Largely, this is also has to do with the fact that this was 1984 and a cell mm. phone does not exist. Right. <laughs> so, um, so at one point, Abby gets a call, and she presumes it's Marty on the line, and mm. it is not. Or maybe it is. Does he call her? No. She gets a call, and it's like a breathy call, and she presumes it's Marty, but there's no way to know. That is a landline-to-landline call, and nobody said anything. So there's no caller ID. Right. (laughs) There's there's no star 69. We don't... She makes presumptions. Everybody makes presumptions, and guess what? All their presumptions are wrong. I think that it works... I, I don't know. You what, think she's going to move, or is she going to take over this bar? I think she, she probably is going to move. I don't <laughs> think she wants that bar. doesn't have any good memories for her. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question, because I wonder how um, how reception is for cell phones in places like that. Well, now? Well, not still not great. It didn't exist then. No, no, it didn't exist then. But I'm going. If we did update this story, would there still be spots? There would still be spots where you aren't gonna. Mm. There will be a time, probably in the next five years, right, where it will be hard to find a place in America that isn't covered by some sort of network. Right now, those places do still exist. Mm -hmm. Um, and I am on both sides of keeping places that are like that. I am like, yeah, it's probably not great to have every inch of this country covered with cell signal. But also, I'm a woman who sometimes drives alone, so I do kind of want every inch of this country to be covered with cell signal. It's a real push and pull. I I had the, uh, when I was out um, a few weeks ago before all this started, I was out in Tamales Bay. Yeah. And I started having some of my first issues with my back. And um, I couldn't reach. Yes, you were out in the middle of nowhere and you couldn't reach anything. And I don't like that. And that was a little bit 
irritating because it's like I love traveling to these places. I don't know how I would survive here in case of a natural emergency. Like, what do you, you need do? to get to a place with a landline is what you mm-hmm. need to do. You right. need to not be out in the middle of nature yeah. for a little while. Or you need to carry a sat phone. <laughs> Maybe that's what you do. There we go. You got $3,000 for a sat phone? I don't know how much they cost. I just threw that number out at random. Amity said it was $3,000. Let's go get one. I have zero idea. I presume they're very expensive. They seem expensive. Right. Uh, the only people I ever see that have them are on an expedition, and right. that seems expensive. If you're on an expedition, somebody has funded you, right. and they have bought you an expensive phone. This is what I believe. But all my knowledge is from things like the Meg. So please don't listen to me about anything. I don't know anything. Yeah. Alright, are we are we good with both people? Do you think good. it was thrilling? Was it thrilling? I think it was This is number ninety eight on the Thrills th- AFI top thrills list. Yeah, I think it was thrilling. I think the last two that we watched is thrilling. I think Speed all was. of them have been thrilling, just in different ways. Yeah, these are different kinds of thrills. Like this one, I had no idea what was gonna happen. Yeah. And that's... Also, murder is always a thrill. That sounds terrible. I'm like, I'm definitely a killer. I'm not. I promise. And if she was, I'm not going to spill her secret. (laughs) Because you know what I'd do? I'd kill you. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm definitely going to jail. (laughs) But, yeah, I really like the fact that I did not know what was going to happen next. I like the fact that I know who the characters are. Yes. I like the fact that... When you look at their faces, you know where they're coming from. You know what I like? You know who those characters are, and I bet that the script of this movie mm-hmm. is 50 pages long. Could there be. is not a lot of talking in this film. Yeah. There really, really is. Well, they, I think the Coen brothers seem to understand, yeah, there's a lot of dialogue-dense passages in what they do. There's dialogue-dense passages. But there's also, there's a lot also of visual, just a visual right. story that they are telling, because they understand... The medium that they are working in, right. which I appreciate, which is why I would like to see their version of a play. Right, which is what Macbeth would be. Exactly. Which I think that is, is interesting to me because they are filmmakers mm-hmm. who understand what film is and can do and right. use it the way that a lot of filmmakers, I feel like, just don't. Yeah. Like, they just don't. Because they were writing a radio play or whatever. Yeah. And they're, they just happen to be a filmmaker, though. <laughs> so. A lot of them started, not a lot of them, but a good deal of them during the uh, the 30s and 40s started in radio as well. Yes. So but, like, Kevin were, Smith does mm-hmm. not wa- w- write movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what I, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, I did hear this or see this the other day, this little meme thing, and it was like... Um, you know, I chuckle every time I hear the word talkies, mm-hmm. but I have to really take a step back when I think about the word movie, because right. it's the same. It's the same thing. <laughs> it is a dumb word, everyone. It's a stupid word for a thing. But yeah, so I really, I really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I do think it was thrilling. We did watch the movie three and a half weeks ago, more than that, maybe a month ago. Yeah, it was before I went in. Yeah. So, sorry we were a little choppy on our storytelling, but it's been a while and I did not rewatch it. 
But you did very well. Thank you. You did. So, next week, we're going to watch number 97 mm-hmm. on the AFI Top 100 Thrills list. And that is Safety Last, a, is it Harold Lloyd? Yeah, Harold Lloyd. Silent film? Mm-hmm. So, everybody, this is a single screen experience. I'm mostly talking to me because I do like to watch stuff on my phone while I'm watching a movie. In this case, I will not be doing that because there will not be sounds to indicate to me what's right. happening in the plot. So I do have to watch the whole thing. It is short. It is like an 80 minutes or something like yeah. that. And I believe this will be the oldest film I have ever seen. Wow. It's so exciting. It is currently on HBO Max. That is how we are going to watch it. Okay. Until then, though, do you have another recommendation for something that somebody could watch in the meantime that maybe has come out in the last 100 years? Oh, okay. <laughs> the safety last is not over 100 years old, but it's so close. I'm it's trying very to close. think of something um, because I haven't really been able to do much. You know. Um, what about you? Can you think of something? I can. Mm-hmm. We... Uh, we have just finished watching, and some of us more than once, the Showtime series Yellow Jackets. Oh, yeah. uh, we're late to the party. This thing came out at the end of last year. I had asked if you guys wanted to see it, and then I forced Stephanie to start watching it with me while you were in the hospital. And then we, we, we watched up to episode eight, well, through episode eight. You came home, we re-watched episodes one through eight, and then watched the last two. Yeah. And guys, it's not a standalone series. It's a, it's a season one. It's a season one. So if you want answers, please know going in, you're not going to get any. But what you will get is some damn good acting, some really interesting storytelling, right. some very good mysteries, um, some very cool character stuff. The most real depiction of a sports like a high school sports team I've ever seen mm-hmm. uh, and some kick-ass 90s theme song or you know, theme music or all the music in the thing because this is a time travel story wherein sometimes we're in 1996 through 1998 and sometimes we're now and I was in high school in 1996 through 1998 and so these, these are my age to be like this is mm-hmm. my this is my story. This is <laughs> this is my story. Like age of people. These are these actresses are like the same. Christina Ricci is the same age as me. Mm. Um. So I'm really I really enjoyed the music and the and the uh, the girls' relationships. Is it's about it's sort of mm, it's alive meets lost. Sort of. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know, guys, because it was only season one. And there are more questions than answers at this point. So I do recommend Yellow Jackets. It's on Showtime. I got a 30-day free sub- three, <laughs> free subscription to Showtime. We won't need it for at least another year to watch more of this. So right. maybe I cancel it. I haven't decided yet. Um, but you seem to like it, too. Yeah, I, did. I enjoyed it. Uh, so yeah, Yellow Jackets. There was a lot of twists and turns, sort of like the movie we watched today. And I wasn't quite sure what was going on. And I thought I had something figured out, and I didn't. And yeah, 
Yeah, no, I definitely thought something. And then it turns out we don't know if I was right or wrong, but it seems like I was very wrong in my guess. So I like being wrong in my guesses. Stump me, please, filmmakers. Stump me. I don't want to figure your shit out. I would like to be surprised, too. Uh, and the other thing that we watched before you left was mm-hmm. Archive 81. Right. Uh, which is a Netflix series. Also doesn't come to a... Complete halt. Complete ending. Yeah. So I believe there will be a season two of that. So And like, like the Yellow Jackets, it jumps back and forth in time between... It does. Two people staying, or one person staying in a hotel, another person investigating the footage she left behind on this hotel. Yeah. And um, And there's some really great kind of... That is explicitly supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, Yellow Jackets is covertly maybe supernatural, but also maybe just people are crazy. It's unclear. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we don't know. We'll find out maybe in season two. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but that's that's it. Those are my recommendations. I can't think of anything else right now. Those would be the two things I would choose. Okay, awesome. So next week we're going to watch Safety Last. And we're going to talk about it. And hopefully it will release on a regular schedule. We will keep you updated on Facebook. And Mm -hmm. I will um, try and drop links to older episodes if we don't make a week. We're going to do our best, though. But also, your healing is more important. Sorry, everyone. This is a free podcast. You give us no dollars. So... Uh, and we want to make it fun and interesting, and you want we want you involved instead of just sitting there, sort of out of it and just nodding along as oh, I talk. <laughs> so, um, if you have questions or comments or concerns or want to sell, send well wishes, we appreciate that. Mm-hmm. You can reach us at on Facebook by searching Latecomers Pod. I'm sorry, by searching Latecomers Podcast in the search bar. Find us on Twitter at Latecomers Pod. Or you can email us, latecomerspod at gmail.com. I am still checking those emails. Um, I would like to remind you to take your medicine, be it Synthroid, antifungal medications, an antidepressant, a vitamin, an anti-anxiety medication, a weed, whatever it is, take your medicine. And we remind you... Better late than never. never.